Because I can control the weather, they call me Storm. Welcome to This Week in Nerd News, your one-stop shop for all the pop culture you may have missed this week. Brought to you by the Black Nerd Problems Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Keith Ree Cleveland. And I am your host, Mikkel Snyder. How's it going, Mikkel? You doing any fun, nerdy things this week? I played a bunch of Destiny 2 because I am beyond parody and exist only to do work and then play Destiny 2. That's not true. I watched a bunch of stuff this weekend. Some of it good, some of it, like... Worth watching again. But, you know, it's it's June. Like, it is the start of a new month, and things have just been June. Yeah. It actually feels like a new month, though, which is more than I can say for, like, the past couple new months. Like, this is the first time, which is, like, this feels like a progression rather than this feels like a deluge of time in the endless eternity of space. Yeah, absolutely. Like, a lot of things have happened lately that make it feel like things are different. Like, it's warm. I don't know how weather is down in St. Louis. I'm assuming hot, because in Chicago, it's like 90 degrees today. But, like, there's a change in the weather, finally, and stuff. And, like, we're also able to, like, start, if, you're, if there are more and more of us are getting vaccinated, so we're able to, like, start getting back to our normal lives a bit safely here and there and stuff. I also moved to a condo recently, so I, like, I can, I live alone now, so I can, like, yell if I want to and not bother people when we record and stuff. I'm looking forward to that. But as far as nerdy things I did, I actually got to go to Museum of Science and and check out this Marvel exhibit that they have because that's one of my favorite museums but they have this exhibit that like takes you through all of Marvel history going back to like its very first issue in 1938 all the way to like character origin stories and to like the next generation where they talk about characters like um, Miss Marvel and Miles Morales people like that it's really fun you just wanted to talk about nerdy things just so that way you could slide that in there. That's fine. That's cool. That's legit. <laughs> but moving on from storytelling of the past to that of the future, see what I did there? N.K. Jemison, the author of many great works that I'm a fan of, as are many members of the BNP family, just got a pretty big win. The Broken Earth Trilogy, the series that won Jemison three consecutive Hugo Awards for Best Novel, which had never been up before that, has finally found a home for its adaptation after a long bidding war. Deadline reported that a seven-figure deal has been made with TriStar Pictures, who will work with Jemison as she adapts the stories herself for the big screen, which is perhaps the best part. Typically, if an author is fortunate enough to have their intellectual property adapted, they often don't get much say in what happens to it after that. But it sounds like in this case, Jemison will have a certain amount of creative control over the story she created that became a hit for millions of readers. Now, for some quick background about the story, the Broken Earth trilogy is comprised of three books. The Fifth Season, The Obeliscape, and The Stone Sky. It takes place in a semi-apocalyptic future on a supercontinent that's constantly under siege by a series of natural disasters connected to the Earth, like earthquakes, tsunamis, volcanic eruptions, landslides, etc., etc., the only way the society is able to have a little bit of control over this is by turning to people who are born with the innate ability to tap into the energy of the earth and manipulate it, called Origins, or more derogatively in the book, Ragas. Origins, and the reason why I say that is because Origins are both needed for humanity's survival, of course, but they're also feared, despised, and mistreated because of those same abilities that they have and the potential of them. For example, a young origin with no training could potentially level a house or an entire town if they're upset enough and don't have the ability to mentally control their powers. There's a lot more interesting plot lines that actually happen within the story itself, but I didn't want to touch on those because of spoiler territory, because it's an amazing story that everyone should experience. But that's all the world we need to get started. Mikkel, are you aware of the Broken Earth trilogy we talked about on the show plenty of times by now? Yeah, yeah, and I, as I've mentioned multiple times now, I'm, I'm not a good lit nerd 
um, largely because like reading books is just something about it is just difficult for me nowadays. So it takes a lot of effort. So one of these days I will get around to reading all of this. But right now my main exposure to uh, N.K. Jemisin is her Green Lantern run, which is utterly fantastic. So like, I know she's brilliant, and I know that this is like a big deal in a lot of different ways because, like, the phrase three time consecutive Ugor Award winning best novelist cannot be like understated, no matter how hard you try. Like, like that just baffles the mind thinking about that. Like, not only did you win it once, not twice, but three times <laughs> in a row. Like, that's unheard of in, in like the, the, speculative fiction world and it's just really great and to to the point that you made the fact that she's getting direct creative control to be the one that turns it from page to the silver screen is such a big deal because oftentimes they just want the ip they just want like the concepts and they will like give it to someone else but the fact that like jemison clearly like petitioned and like asked for like if you are going to do this i want to be involved in every step in the way and the fact that she got that deal with that attached to it is great like seven figures for that I'm like yes you go get that money get this on screen on how you envision it and your pitch did exactly what it was supposed to do which is like Man, I guess I need to read books again <laughs> at some point. I'm very glad because I was thinking about just taking the summary that came from the article. I'm like, you know what? No, I've read this series. I love this series. I'm going to do it myself and try and pinpoint what's really, really good about it. But I will say, like, so audiobooks are, for this series especially are very good. So if you want to try that, like, I recommend that. Because I take what I did first and then I went back and bought the book so I could, like, go through them and, like, see the spelling of things. And I think there are even maps in there and stuff like that and all that, which is definitely cool. Like, depending on what works for you. I'd like, cause I know with me, I have, let's call them attention issues. So like, I'm not the best at sitting down and reading a book always. Like I was telling my girlfriend yesterday, like how I have like phases where like for two, three months, I'll be super into one medium and then transition. I haven't touched books yet this year, but I still have a goal of reading 18 cause I did 16 last year, including audiobooks. So somehow I hope to get there, but, um, this is definitely a great series. Like it's like you said, the intis- imagine winning the Hugo Award for your first novel in a series and then coming out with books after that and the hype of that. And if you don't ever win another Hugo Award for that series, that's still commendable because you're probably still going to sell because all you got to do is put that Hugo stamp on the cover of the book for the series overall and then people are going to buy it. Getting that for all three, like three for three is ridiculous and I can tell you now it is well worth it like all of those books are great for very different reasons and like if you read it I would love to talk to you as you do because there are like some twists and turns and stuff that some that you see coming some that you don't but I would love to get your reaction about but this is very good news both from a reader of speculative fiction standpoint but also from any creator a creator standpoint knowing that she has the license to do with this property what she should and what she can Well, if I find time to read a book book, I will let you know. And the next time I go on a road trip, which is going to happen at some point, I feel like. Like, we we actually are in the timeline where, like, road trips are not a byproduct of some twisted fantasy. It's, like, an actual, like, attainable goal at some point. So that's usually when I listen to, like, podcasts and, and things is when I'm driving and can't do anything else but listen to things. So... Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. 
Unless you know the world is ending, which is still a distinct possibility. And I'm not saying that for any particular reason in the geopolitical hemisphere, although I could be. Uh, no, I think it's ending because we finally got a release date for Why the Last Man. That just sounds fake every time I say it. And yeah, so last week we talked about Sandman casting for the Netflix series, and that's been very exciting, and that's been sort of like, yes. And now this week we're gonna go talk about Why the Last Man, the other comic that has been in development hell for longer than, than, than some people have been alive, which is, I guess, always a true statement because there's always people being born, but like, y- you get the gist of it, right? Like, like a Why the Last Man live action adaptation series not only exists, but it has a release date. Like, FX on Hulu confirmed this series is out of development hell, has no longer had major change-ups in the casts, and has been filmed and edited it. Like, wild, right? So, this week, FX announced release dates for a bunch of the fall lineup. American Horror Story Double Feature, American Horror Stories, which is different, I guess, uh, Impeachment American Crime Story, What We Do in the Shadows Season 3, Archer Season 12, uh, Taka Watiti's and Sterling Hodro's Reservation Dogs, but Why the Last Man is the last title I expected to see getting a release date, specifically this year, on September 15th. And that's like really soon, that's like months away, and that's just really hard to, to conceive conceptually. So, uh, if you've somehow missed us talking about Why the Last Man the other four times it's come up during this podcast's run, it is a uh, comic from Brian K. Vaughn and Pierre Guerra that tells the story of Yorick, the titular last man on Earth after a mysterious plague wiped out every mammal with a Y chromosome. 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 Words are funny. Uh, and Keith is showing off his, his copy of Why the Last Man. Is that volume one? This is actually book ten, the last one. Oh, that's book ten. Excellent. Yes. Uh, so, it was originally a 60-issue run that ran from 2002 to 2008, and the story has been ripe for adaptation to the point where some iteration of a live-action adaptation has existed in since 2007, and now it's real. Like, Ben Shet Snow will play Yorick and will be joined by Diane Lane, Ashley Romans, Diane Bang, Olivia Trilby, Julian Canfield, Maine Ireland, Ambin Tamblin, and more. And, like, it's happening. We are getting a Why the Last Man series. And I can't express disbelief anymore because then it sounds disingenuous. But I'm, I'm honestly surprised by this. Like... So you saw this. My jaw was dropped for like the first half of this segment because, and I knew we were going to talk about this. It's not a surprise to me, but hearing you talk about it just hit me with a shock because I've said on this show many times and also in personal conversations that I won't believe this is a thing until I like see actual evidence of it, which in my mind I thought would be a trailer, but just the release date apparently is enough to have me like flipping out because I never thought this day would actually come. I pulled out my copy while the last man, because like this is one of my favorite graphic novel series and probably one of my favorite just intellectual properties in general right it's what story does 
I mean, a big fan of Brian K. Vaughn, which I just moved on to Saga, which is another one of my favorite things in the world. I'm waiting for it to come off hiatus. We're waiting, just so you know. But as far as I'm no longer waiting for it, the last man, because this is an amazing story. You already know what the plot is. I feel like we summarized it many, many times on this show. And just to read, like, the back of this issue. So, again, this is book 10 I had on my bookshelf right behind me. The cop quote, the greatest comic book saga since Neil Gaiman's Sandman. Unforgettable. EW.com, best comics of 2007. Next quote, one of the most important and enjoyable comics in recent history by the Portland Mercury. So, like, this is a book that people have been very excited about since it came out. It's not, like, a late thing. So, I just can't wait for other people to find out what it is because, no, nah, I won't say that on the record. Because I was about to say that, like, I have, I've in the past, had multiple passwords to vote to this series. But, no, that's not go public. Jordan, you keep that into the final script, okay? Don't you, you dare. No, I'm not trying to get hacked. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but this series one that impacted me very deeply, and I cannot wait to see what it looks like on the live screen. Even if like I don't like it, sure, I will still enjoy the graphic novel. But I'm really hoping that I do like it. It's going to be amazing. So, if nothing else, the existence of the live action series will drive people to the graphic novel. Um, this has the advantage over like say like superhero movies and superhero media in that like Why the Last Man has a set run you can buy the collective volumes and be there you don't have to figure out like which run is going to be the closest to which version of the character that i found on the silver screen before you can just buy why the last man and be good to go uh something similar is happening right now with netflix with sweet tooth which is another graphic novel by jeff lemire so like you can now just go get sweet tooth all of the volumes and like read the story in its original form and yeah, Why the Last Man does a lot of cool narrative things, and I have not reread it since I read it a couple years back, so I'm not sure exactly how well it aged, but I feel like it has aged reasonably well, considering how it could have aged under different circumstances. And also, like, as a final note, I noticed in the tweet that FX released about the series, one note that they did say is that Yorick is the last cisgender man on the planet, which I mm. appreciate because one thing I talked about in the episode of Victoria's on the show is, like, why the last man won't worry that it didn't age well necessarily is how it deals with gender identity. Talking about, like, why the last man? Like, nah, there was still plenty of trans men on the planet in the series and stuff. They just weren't, like... Society was different at the time. But this is a mm-hmm. great opportunity to get that right. And it seems like at least the first step going into it with the language they're using, they are doing so. But with that, I would digress. No, I feel like that that is a great point. Like that was a very deliberate choice from the from the people announcing the series. So that is that is optimistic for this. But yeah, uh I guess in like a couple months we'll actually get to talk about the series. That's gonna be it's gonna be wild. September's not even that far, man. It's not. It's June. Wow. <sighs> Alright, well Mikel and I are gonna sit over here and freak out. We'll take a break real quick so we can gather ourselves. A few weeks back, I remember I got so excited about the Chicago Bears trading up to draft Justin Fields that I tried to sneak it into the show that week. Only for Mikel to remind me that just because we don't talk about sports often doesn't mean that we can't because nerd news can take on many different forms. So I'm taking full advantage of that. We're recording this early. We're, we're recording this episode early on Saturday, so we don't know the results yet, obviously. But tonight is going to have one of the most popular boxing events of the past couple years, which is both an objectively true statement, yet still a very controversial one. 
Floyd Mayweather, one of the greatest, most accomplished boxers of all time, with multiple championships and an undefeated record of 50-0, will be coming out of retirement once again to take on YouTube creator slash influencer slash celebrity slash lightning rod of controversy, Logan Paul, in an exhibition boxing match that's coming in at $50 pay-per-view on Showtime. This is just the latest in a number of high-profile boxing matches that have featured Logan and his brother Jake fighting other celebrities slash YouTubers slash whatever, you know it's just a spiel, for really big checks. On one hand, this is the most attention boxing has seen in years as the sport's popularity has been on a steady decline for a while. But with one million people paying to watch one of Paul's latest fights, more celebrity appearances than you can count happening at these events, and the revelation that Jake Paul raked in $10 million for his last one, this fight seems to be one of few exceptions. But the ongoing debate is if this is good or bad for boxing, and largely, how much power should internet culture have over its future in that of other sports? As evidence, in a May survey of 2,000 plus people, Axios reported that 40% of people had heard about this Mayweather-Paul fight. In comparison, only 23 and 19% of people, respectively, heard about two title fights with some of the top competitors in the sport today. Sure, there are definitely more eyes on boxing now, but it's not as if people are watching for the crafts as much as they are for the viral moment. I mean, as a prime example, Chad Ocho Cinco Johnson's on the undercard tonight, if that tells you anything. And while it was a great idea to see Mike Tyson and Roy Jones in the ring one t- once again, because they never had before, when it actually happened, they looked a lot like two uncles who got a little drink of the cookout and decided to throw hands with their shirts off. It was really weird. But content is king after all, right? So, like, is this the... This I have very mixed feelings about this. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts, Chair Mikhail, before I dive into those? Yeah. Uh, my first thought, I don't like either of these people as, like, people. Oh, yeah. They're both <laughs> horrible people. Let's start with that for like, sure. Like, let, let, let's start with that. Like, these are two <laughs> awful people who were getting a bunch of money to essentially beat each other up or get beaten up in, like, some capacity. And, like, this is a stunt. Like, yes. The, that, that's the verbiage that we, we should use going forward. Like this is this is an exhibition. It's a stunt. Like this is this is marketing. This is a cash grab, and that that's fine. You know, like in the capitalist framework, money is king. Content gets money, so content is king, as you as you alluded to, right? Um, and I I would not pay fifty dollars to watch this. I would watch this via questionable methodologies that I will not uh, officially endorse on this podcast <laughs> because I don't think our sponsors would like that. Yeah, we don't support piracy here at This Weekend Air News. On the record, um, though. We also don't support paying money to watch two awful human beings beat each other up for, uh, I believe it's three eight-minute rounds. Or is it eight three-minute rounds? Eight, it's eight three-minute rounds. And there, okay. there are no judges because it's not a sanctioned fight by WBC or anything like that. So it's really nothing more than a cat grab moment. So it's essentially 24 minutes, no matter how you multiply it out, of, of a fight that will end with someone being hurt in an irredeemable way. But then having enough money to pay for those medical bills. <laughs> I'm not necessarily sure that this fight is going to end like that because... This is the ultimate cash grab where, like, I, so some person background, I got into boxing a lot around the time I was, like, 11 or 12, and that would be circa, like, 2004 or so. 
I got into it because my dad watches boxing for the sport. Like, he watches it every weekend, even when it's not, like, the big fights on pay-per-view that everybody's decided for three or four times a year, right? Like, he's over here watching the undercards so he can figure out who's going to be the big fighters in four or five years from now. And I watched those with him. And, like, my first favorite boxer was Bernard Hopkins, who was, like, at the end of his streak at the time. Then they transitioned to Floyd Mayweather, too, right? And, like, there's a lot of backstory there and everything from, like, a boxing standpoint. Still, always been a horrible human being. I'm fully aware of that. But as someone who's watched a good 20 of Floyd Mayweather's fights, I can straight up tell you that he doesn't fight, or at least recent history, doesn't fight to knock anybody out at all. He's a defensive fighter. He avoids getting hit. He stretches the fight out and wins by points in the end. There are no judges in this one. So, like, he, I don't even know what's going to happen with that, right? Because, like, he's not going to try and knock out Logan Paul because, one, he gets nothing from that anyway. And also, like, you want to be able to do this again one day, right? He, he gets he gets the satisfaction of knocking out Logan Paul, which... Well, yeah, that's what we want as viewers. I don't know if he wants that. <laughs> that's like, what I want specifically. Um, that's how Logan Paul keeps getting bigger and bigger. He and Jake keep getting bigger and bigger checks for this because we know they're horrible people, yet they keep winning. So they're becoming the best villains because we're waiting for that one hero to come out and be able to like give them what they deserve. Because, like, I don't know why people thought Nate Robinson could be it, but that was just a disaster. Like, that shouldn't have happened. Like, there are other people out there that could probably fight these guys and actually, like, do what they have to do. But they're milking it because apparently they're getting $10 million to fight. You're going to get a good... You're going to do that as many times as you possibly can, right? But, like, this... The way this whole thing has been set up from, like, all of the random face-offs that they've had and, like, the fake videos online of, like, them trying to fight each other in tunnels at different venues and everything, like, that was all to try and build up hype and get more and more people to watch these fights. But the wild thing about it is everyone knows this. But everyone keeps watching it. Like, a million people watched, like, one of these fights a couple of fights ago. And that keeps happening. Like, The Zone, I think it's how it's pronounced, D-A-Z-N, that broadcast one of them. Like, that was their biggest event that they ever had, I believe. And it's... And by no means am I one of the people who like a boxing purist at all. Because, like, I understand that, like, things change with the times. And boxing's not what it used to be. And the fanfare isn't quite there and stuff. I'm just hoping there's a way to maybe, like, pivot this into, like, attention going towards actual boxing. But I'm concerned about the fact that people are more into this for the spectacle and also like the narrative storyline of like Jake Paul hopefully getting what he deserves I mean Logan in this case sorry I get them confused sometimes because they do all the same things together um, getting what they deserve but we'll see what actually happens. A lot of how I like view boxing is through the lens of fictional media for better or for worse right so like I'm not as vested in like specific boxers right now that said, I'm very invested in Megalobox, which is airing its second season right now, and uh, Creed, uh, the the Rocky spinoff series. And like this week, like Deadline reported that uh, Jonathan Majors was going to be like the was in talks to be the antagonist for Michael B. Jordan in Creed Free. And every time a Creed movie comes out, like I get really into like boxing, and like I will look things up, and so if I. I'm hoping that's what bumps up boxing back into the spotlight. It's just sort of like a really good boxing story that like sort of like the sport is fascinating because like it's they call it the sweet science for a reason. Like it is it is a athletically and technically impressive sport to watch. And I want it to come back on that merit and not the merit of here are two people that you want to see hurt. <laughs> Right, like, this is obviously, like, professional wrestling on a different level, kind of, sort of, right? Like, they're, like, this has been a storyline that has been built, 
And I would not be the least bit surprised if I won't go as far as if they have an ending planned out already, but I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if they have like a couple outcomes that they have contingency plans for, right? Like the Mike Tyson and Roy Jones fight was interesting because like they weren't actually trying to beat each other up. One, I don't think that they can necessarily at this point. Like we're talking about like two four professional boxers, like a normal person against either one of them, like don't do that. It's not a good idea, even at old age. But like against each other, they were just there to like put on a match, get a good check, and be able to like go home that night and be fine. And I feel like that's the same scenario with a lot of these exhibitions. Like we're here to make it look we're we're here to get as close as we possibly can to a viral moment, whatever that may be. Whether it's Floyd, whether it's Nate Robinson like laid out on a canvas, or whether it's like Jake Paul surprising people with actually being somewhat decent at boxing, which is very still odd. Social media is weird. The internet may have been a mistake. I'm not I'm not sure. I'm not convinced either way. Jury's still out on that. Anyways, do you think we should wrap things up with a padded and lightning round? Yeah, let's go for it. Well, as our regular viewers know, and as our new viewers might not be aware of, every week there is so much news that we need to cover, and we can't talk to everything in excruciating detail. So we like to do a little bullet list of all of the other fun things that came up on our Twitter feeds and other various information networks, and want to make sure that you're in the know about all of these exciting things. So, uh, the Borderlands film released the first promo image, which was a black and white outline of one of their main characters, Lilith, which is an interesting decision given that Borderlands is known for its bright colors and vibrant world and iconic character designs. So to show a still image with no color and just the outline of one of the characters is, in fact, a decision that was made. Yeah. Uh, Paramount Plus dropped some trailers for the upcoming 2021 lineup with trailers for the iCarly revival and season 5 of The Good Fight, which I adore uh, so much. And I'm pretty sure I'm one of the two people who I know watches it. Anyways, uh, the Discovery and AT&T Warner media not exactly a monopoly but getting very close to one announced their new name as warner brother discoveries with a new logo with a font that was gold on a blue sky background and it looks like a logo that's all i really that's all i really got for you and in addition to the awesome fictional rivalry that deadline reported with Uh, Jonathan Major's potential casting in Creed Free, they also announced a very exciting alliance as they told the world that Donnie Yen would be joining Keanu Reeves Free in John Wick 4 as, quote, an old friend with many of the same shared enemies. How can you not be excited about that? Oh my god, that's gonna be so good! (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen you that excited before. It's Donnie Yen and Keanu Reeves. I know, it's amazing. I get it. There's not anything we need to talk about. That's why it's in the lightning round. (laughs) That sentence speaks for itself. (laughs) You're right. Anyways, the final bit of news for a lightning round is that Marvel announced a new tabletop role-playing game with a new beginner-friendly system that will let players take up the mantle of the favorite superhero. It's coming out in 2022. A bunch of old D&D heads working on it, and there's going to be a playtest sometime in the near future. A lot of people in the B&B Discord have been very, very excitedly chattering about what that means for future games. So, if you'd like to hear thoughts on these topics or anything else in the news, feel free to tweet us at BlackNerdProblems with the hashtag TWINN. That was This Week in Nerd News. Tune in next week for more pop culture.
I'm your host, Mikkel Snyder. And I'm your host, Keith Reed Cleveland. And please, if you like listening to us, please remember to like, comment, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us out. We'll catch you next week, folks.